Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Uh, it's beautiful outside, isn't it? And we're like, why are we inside? <laughs> because it's even more beautiful when people gather together to worship. Amen. And uh, we don't get to do this every day. But every week we get to do this and come together and humble ourselves before God and worship him. Celebrate that together. You know, I'm glad we have an online ministry where we stream and people can watch online, and, and that's wonderful. But there's nothing like being here in person and being gathered together and experiencing it together. Uh, but we're glad for those who, who can't make it here who can watch and, and listen and, and be with us in that way as well. Um, I want to share with you uh, a little update this, this, uh, before I get into the message today. Um, you know, we have this ministry of the prayer quilt ministry that is so wonderful and, and powerful. And um, we have a couple quilts out there today. And if you've, never, if you've never taken a moment to stop, tie a knot, and pray uh, for someone with the prayer quilts, I want to invite you to do that as you leave the service today. Um, it's such a blessing. Uh, for the people who are receiving the quilts, as well as for those of us who, who stop and, and pray. But I want to just share with you a report, because, you know, these quilts go out, and sometimes you get reports back, and uh, it's good for us to hear these things. So last, uh, I want to say early summer, late spring, uh, a close friend of mine, um, her name was Lori Beach, in her late 40s, was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And, uh, and many of you stopped and tied a knot and prayed, and so she began her journey of treatments of chemo and radiation and so forth. And this was the blanket that, that uh, we gave to her. Um, she went through her, her uh, treatments and so forth. And uh, she finally concluded um, just, just a couple few weeks ago where she had to do, I think it was five or six weeks of five days of chemo and five days of radiation. And uh, she had done chemo before that and, and so forth. But... Uh, all the scans came back that she's completely cancer-free at this point. So uh, I'll show you a picture of her, their last treatment of chemo and, and radiation. And uh, when we were on vacation and we were visiting with them, she had gone to get her scans. And then this Monday, past Monday, she texted me and said, I'm cancer-free at this point. So thank God for your prayers and for blessing her in that way. And so she, um, she gave us, she sent a card that I want to read to you. It's to the Escondido, uh, sorry, Calamesa Church. <laughs> they go to Escondido. They go to the Escondido Church. But uh, she sent this to the uh, Calamesa Church family and prayer quilt ministry. And I shared this with our uh, prayer quilters on Tuesday morning when they were gathered. It says, Dear Calamesa Church members and especially quilting ministry, thank you so very much for your prayers woven into the beautiful prayer quilt you made for me. I feel so grateful for your love and support. God has graciously healed me of my cancer and I am humbled by his power and love. Thank you for being his hands and his heart to me during a very difficult time with love and thanksgiving, Lori Beach. So I wanted to share that with you. Isn't that great? It doesn't always come out that way, but we need to hear reports of when it does sometimes, too. Uh, and so we're thankful, and, and Lori wants to thank you, and her husband, Preston, as well. Well, I don't know if you realize this or not. You may not. But I tend to preach the same sermon the week following Easter. Now, not the same, same sermon, but the same subject following Easter. 
Now, Easter is a great time for us, obviously, as Christians to rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, he's risen, right? So now, let's see if you do this. He's risen. Okay, some of you were. Let's try that. He's risen. And last Sabbath, we celebrated that. Uh, he was risen on that weekend. And so we praise God for our Savior conquering evil and the powers of, of death and sin. And uh, if you've ever heard a sermon by a gentleman named uh, Tony Campolo, he has a sermon called It's Friday and What? Okay, some of you have heard that. It's a very powerful sermon. It's a fun sermon. If you've never heard it, I encourage you to go online. Look for Tony Campolo. Uh, happens to be Italian. And it's Friday, but Sunday's are coming. And it is a wonderful sermon of him talking about Friday. The, the disciples are running around like sheep without a shepherd. It appears like evil's won, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. And he just keeps building it and building it and building it. And it's powerful. And so a while back, uh, I thought, well, you know, that is awesome. That's the good news of Easter. But, but I, I preached a sermon a while back. It says, it's Sunday, but Monday's coming. Right? He's risen, but now what do we do? We go back to life as normal? It's Monday. I got to get up for work. I got to go to school. You know, it's like, yes, I just celebrated that he's, he's risen, but what does that mean now that I'm back to life as normal? And so, like I said, I don't preach the exact sermon, but the same topic because I always want us to, to think about what really matters. Our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the, Dave as, uh, from the grave as Pastor Pablo said last Sabbath. And I appreciated what Pastor Pablo had to say about how wrestling with fear and doubts and the times when God is silent, but he reminded us, as C.S. Lewis does, that Aslan is on the move, right? That God is up to something. That the power of the resurrection in this life, in this complicated world, that we cannot, I like this phrase that he used, I want to get right, you can crucify Jesus, but you cannot contain Jesus. I loved that phrase. You can crucify Jesus, but you cannot contain Jesus. And so Jesus is alive and well. He's not in the tomb. And he's not way off in the clouds, as some paintings may picture. But church, we have to remember that Jesus rose from the grave, and he is with us. He is with us in the 21st century. He is with us in this very place right now. And while we feel like there may be not so much room next to us in the pew, or, but Jesus is there. Jesus is here. We are not a group of people that are in this building, in this space and time, and, and sending our praises off to the heaven, hoping they make it past the clouds. He is here with us as we worship him and as we adore him. As we sing and as we laugh and as we look at fun animals and as we collect the offering, as we just gather, he is here with us. Yes, he is risen and we celebrate his resurrection. But what really matters now between the resurrection and the return is that we are with Jesus now and we allow him to be with us. Our relationship with him matters. You see, I think there's a difference between believing in him or being with him. We can believe in him, but to be with him is another thing. We can be fond of him, but it's a whole other thing to follow him. And it's not about the pages in this book. 
but it's about the person that we're with through the pages in this book. It's more than knowing knowledge and understanding while those are important. The whole reason God chose to reveal himself through these scriptures was to be with us and that we could be with him. The whole reason he created you and I was to be with us. And that's why the cross tells us he can't stand to be away from us, especially for eternity. He created us to be with him now and forever. I want to take a a few minutes to read a portion of Scripture, and we'll put it on the screen for you. It's from the book of Colossians. And I love this portion of Scripture because it, it, it blows my mind every time I read of it when I, when I am brought to under, trying to understand Christ more. It's in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. I'm going to look at several verses. Let's, let's read this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, Paul says, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the, f- they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, who? Christ. Let me just read that again. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Jesus, Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Christ. Jesus 
rose again so that we could be in Christ and Christ could be in us. And what really matters is that we have a relationship with this Christ. We can know lots of things about Christ. We can, we can know all the stories, and that's wonderful. That's important to knowing Christ. But let's not make that the end. That is solely the means. The end is to know Christ and to enjoy Christ, to be with Christ. I, uh, I don't know if uh, Lou is here today. Lou and Marjorie, are they here today? They may not. Usually in that area, not today. But Lou gave me this book a while back, and uh, I've been slowly reading it, been enjoying it. It's by John Eldridge. It's called Beautiful Outlaw. I don't know if any of you have read it, but uh, it, it's a fun book and a blessing. The subtitle is Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. How's that for a subtitle? And uh, I just want to I, I ask you something that, that John asks and, and share with you a little bit from this book. He says, what comes to mind when you think of Jesus? Now, I'm not going to ask you to say out loud, but just in your own, the silence of your own thoughts. What comes to mind when you think of Jesus? It's an important question for us to ask. He says, might be good to stop and do an inventory. He says, is Jesus near or far? Is he close at hand, right here at your elbow, or distant and engaged in loftier things? Does he have a sense of humor? What words would you use to describe him? If you gathered the many books on Jesus and comb them for the words used most often to describe him, you can guess beforehand what you would get. Loving and compassionate. Beautiful qualities, and certainly true of Jesus, but two-dimensional, Eldridge suggests. Especially when we color these virtues with religious tones. Love turns sickly sweet, and compassion soft and limp. How is it possible to genuinely and consistently love anything so two-dimensional, loving and compassionate? He says, it's like trying to love a get-well card. <laughs> yes, we believe Jesus is loving and compassionate. But do we really know and believe that Jesus is right here with us? Near, close, and maybe laughing once in a while? Some of us might be thinking, yeah, he's probably laughing at me, right? No, what about laughing with you? What about, do you think Jesus enjoys being with you? Some of us here might be saying, oh, if you only knew some of the places I go in my mind and my heart, he might not enjoy being with me. But church, I want to suggest to you that Jesus loves every second of being with you. And that he enjoys you thoroughly. Can you receive that today? It might be hard for some of us to receive that, to think that Jesus might actually enjoy me. He created you, didn't he? Intentionally. Thought of you. Created you. Remember, he created us to be with us and to enjoy us. You think someone would die for you if they didn't enjoy you? 
love every minute and every second of being with you, even, even when we make mistakes. That's our God. That's our Jesus. With us. Because he loves us. And inviting us to be with him. To be present with him in relationship. You know, in this world, we, we put much, so much emphasis on knowledge and understanding. And I'm not saying we shouldn't grow in knowledge and understanding. The Bible it teaches us to grow in knowledge and understanding. But sometimes I, I think that growing in knowledge and understanding becomes our idol sometimes. That if we know more, we'll be better. If we understand more, we'll be better. Well, there's the problem we get into with modernity and post-modernity, Right? The things of, if we know more, we'll be better people. And we look at some of the ways that power has caused a lot of pain and suffering in this world and supposedly knowledge. Not so much the case. Understanding will fail us at times. Second Timothy, it says, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth seeking to strive for knowledge and understanding. It's good, but it can't become our God. Remember Deuteronomy 29, 29, I love these words. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. And God has chosen to reveal himself to us through scripture and ultimately through the person of Jesus Christ. And so he invites us to know him, to know him, to develop a relationship with him. Jesus himself said to some religious leaders in John chapter 5, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. That's why, church, I say this book is awesome. But it's a means to an end. It is not the end itself. The person, Jesus Christ, is the end. Being in the word, being in prayer helps us grow. But if we don't grow in that relationship with Christ, we are missing it altogether. You know, my heart is saddened a bit because there are some voices out there in our Adventist denomination. There are some voices on the internet. There are voices in print that encourage people not to be still and not to spend moments in silence to be with God. And that concerns me, church, because to me it's a major roadblock to growing into our intimate relationship with Jesus. I want to share some words with you that um, we have on our website. I don't know if how, how much you've been on our website, but it's pretty resourceful. Um, so these are just, I just downloaded these from our website. And uh, if you don't like to go online, printed off uh, copies at the back you can take with you. But I want to share some words with you from, um, from Ellen White. And some of these you may be familiar with. But powerful words. She says, when we seek for appropriate language in which to describe the love of God, we find words too tame, too weak, too far beneath the theme, and we lay down our pen and say, no, it cannot be described. We can only do as did the beloved disciple and say, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In attempting any description of this love, we feel that we are as infants lisping their first words. 
Silently we may, be, we may adore, for silence in this matter is the only eloquence. This love is past all language to describe. All the paternal love which has come down from generation to generation through the channel of human hearts, all the springs of tenderness which have opened in the souls of men are but as a tiny reel to the boundless ocean when compared with the infinite, exhaustless love of God. Tongue cannot utter it. Pen cannot portray it. You may meditate upon it every day of your life. You may search the scriptures diligently in order to understand it. You may summon every power and capability that God has given you in the endeavor to comprehend the love and compassion of the Heavenly Father. And yet there is an infinity beyond. You may study that love for ages, yet you can never fully comprehend the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of God in giving His Son to die for the world. Eternity itself can never fully reveal it. Yet as we study the Bible and meditate upon the life of Christ and the plan of redemption, these great themes will open to our understanding more and more. She goes on and she says, Through study of the scriptures, through earnest prayer, they may hear his message to them, Be still and know that I am God. When every other voice is hushed, When every earthly interest is turned aside, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Here rest is found in him. The peace, the joy, the life of the soul is God. Give me just one more. All who are under the training of God need the quiet hour for communion with their own hearts, with nature, and with God. We must individually hear him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is hushed, in the quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I am God. This is the effectual preparation for all labor for God. Amidst the hurrying throng and the strain of life's intense activities, he who is thus refreshed will be surrounded with an atmosphere of light and peace. He will receive a new endowment of both physical and mental strength. His life will breathe out a fragrance and will reveal a divine power that will reach men's hearts. Church, this world is humming way too fast. And I'm sure you feel it just like I do. It is crazy busy. You know, it's hard to fight against the busyness of life. It's hard to create that space. It's hard with so many things crying out to us. Our cell phones are buzzing. Our, our, they're dinging. They're whatever crazy ringtone you hear on them. The sounds of just around us constantly. To be still. Take a moment of silence to be with God, to meditate, or like I like to say, to marinate in the Word and to listen. That help us be aware of His presence through the day. That He is with us all the time. What really matters is that we are with Jesus now that He's risen. With Jesus now and for eternity. With Jesus as we are with our kids, with Jesus as we are with our spouses, with Jesus as we are with our friends, with Jesus when we're in that class that we do not enjoy at all, with Jesus in that task at work that we are not enjoying either, with Jesus as we drive. Maybe some of us wouldn't want Jesus with us when we drive. With Jesus when we're fixing the washing machine, 
with Jesus all the time. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not up here like I do this perfectly. But this is the meaning and purpose of life in my view of things. To be with Jesus. To be with him and allow him to be with me. Church, we do have to slow down. We have to slow down. Because as I look at the life of Jesus, he never seemed hurried. If you were going to pick one person on the face of this earth who had the most important thing to do in the history of this world, do you think they might be a little hurried once in a while? Maybe. But I never noticed Jesus being hurried. But what was he constantly doing? With the Father and with people. With the Father and with people. Relationship with the Father, relationship with people. I got a kick out of this article in the New York Times. The, uh, the article was called, Sometimes Slowing Down Can Really Get Hectic. When McDonald's began to open in Italian cities, the slow food movement started promoting traditional Italian meals that lasted for hours. Slow food was designed to oppose fast food and its values of sameness, impersonality, and haste. Based on the success of the slow movement, some cities in Italy, including the uh, city of Greve, I think that's how you say it, I'm not sure, started the slow city movement. A slow city is committed to preserving its architectural heritage, typical dishes, and inherited customs. Greve's mayor founded the international network of slow cities. But, as the Times article reports, there's been a backlash to the slow city movement in this city. The city has become so busy that many people don't have time to slow down. Everyone's running, complained the mayor's assistant, taking time to show a visitor around since the mayor's calendar was full. In other words, becoming a slow city has led to an influx of tourists who now crowd the cafes, and the city has no time to slow down. <laughs> Hence the title, Sometimes Slowing Down Can Really Get Hectic. It's hard to slow down, church. It's really hard. But I want to encourage us each day to take a little bit of time to slow. To slow, to be still and to be with God. To open that word. Take it just a, maybe a section of scripture, maybe a section in the Gospels. You know, we're studying Matthew this quarter. Take one of those stories in, in the Gospels and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Christ would, would teach you through that story. And as you read it, one of the things I like to do is I will read it. I'll pray and I'll read just a little section, read that story, and ask the Holy Spirit to, to bring to my attention whatever words or phrase that he really wants to teach me, wants me to grow in my relationship with him. And I'll do that, and I'll read it a few times through and just let it soak in. And then I will take that word or phrase that I feel the Holy Spirit has drawn to my attention and then have a conversation with God and Jesus about that. And then as I go about my day, whether I'm here at the church or I'm out visiting or I'm doing different tasks, I can continue that conversation. And I find that God's word is, is like an onion, you know, it has many layers. And at first, you know, it seems kind of safe. And then as you begin to get through the layer, God really starts getting to my heart and my mind in ways I couldn't even imagine or dream. And sometimes 
that one passage, I'll just stay there all week long because the Holy Spirit just keeps kind of unraveling and unwrapping. And it just goes deeper and deeper. But you may have other means, other ways of getting into Scripture, and I want to encourage you in those. Next Sabbath, we're going to have a wonderful opportunity to connect with Christ through the Lord's Supper. Well, take time to hold the bread and to hold the juice. They're symbolic of his, of his body given for us, his life of wanting to be with us and of washing each other's feet that remind us that he invites us to enter into his humility as a way of life as well in his kingdom and enjoying that wonderful practice of doing that. But I also want to invite you to something else that you don't yet know about. Sometime in the near future, I'm going to invite us to participate, as many that would like to, in a very simple thing. I will write some material, and I want to invite people to spend some quiet time each day during the week. And then about twice a week, twice a month, I'm sorry, those who are participating will gather, and we will worship together, and we will what I call spill on one another from the overflow of that time with Jesus in solitude together. If that's something that you might be interested in, I want to encourage you to, I'm going to, I'm going to make you go a little further. I want to ask you to email me. You can find my email on the website. Um, it's not hard to find. You can email the church office and just say, I'm interested in knowing more about this. I would say, tell me today if you're interested, but I won't remember everybody who wants to do it. <laughs> and I'll remember if you email me and I can do that. But it's something that's going to happen in the near future. And it's just a way of, of growing together in relationship with Jesus Christ and as a community together. Church, he is risen, and it's an amazing thing. But what really matters now is that we are with, in relationship, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we proclaim your resurrection, and we are so grateful and give thanks. But what we give thanks for, I think even more, is the fact that you went through all of that for the sole purpose of being with us. You created us to be with us. You died and rose again so that you could be with us and we could be with you. Lord, that type of love is really hard, really hard to understand. And I don't know that we will fully understand it. But I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fully understand it. We just have to trust you. We just have to trust your actions and your words that you saying that you love us and you showing us how much you love us tells us everything. So through this life, there are many times we won't understand and we won't have the knowledge of things we wish we could know. But you've showed us enough to know that we can love you and trust you. And to be convinced that every day, the greatest thing we can do is to be with you. Let's take a moment now just to be in silent prayer and to be with Jesus.
little stones are smooth Only once the water passes through So I am a stone Rough and grainy still Trying to reconcile This river's chill But when I close my eyes And feel you rushing by I know that time brings change And change takes time And when the sunset comes My prayer would be just one That you might pick me up And notice that I am Just a little smoother in your hand Sometimes raging wild Sometimes swollen high Never have I known this river dry The deepest part of you is where I want to stay and feel the sharpest edges wash away and when I close my eyes and feel you rushing by I know that time brings change and change takes time and when the sun sets important thing this week is being with Jesus. God bless you.